this is going to be a different episode of Can't Read, Can't Write. Last Monday, we sat down, had our beers ready to record a new episode. And as we were recording, uh, the sirens began to rush by Greg's house. Like many of you, we shortly thereafter found out that there had been a tragic loss of life at Michigan State University. And like many of you, we started listening to the scanner as a manhunt began. I'll say for me, I went to bed that night happy that it was over. And it wasn't until the next morning that I didn't know what to do that I began to realize the full toll that the tragic loss of life took on myself, my friends, our family, and our community. So, uh, because you all are part of our community, we wanted to talk about how we're feeling, how you all are feeling, what the path looks like going forward, and ultimately... You might hear some laughs, you might hear some beer cracks, and you're going to hear a touch about sports as we all try and move forward. So with that, Kevin, Alex, sincerely, how are you doing? Um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it's a heavy episode, but it's... Um, it's good to see you both. Yeah. I, I will say that it's really good to see you both. Yeah. Uh, Plum, how you doing, man? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I mean, we sat here a few nights ago and tried to record in the immediate, I guess the immediate happening of this, not, not a sports podcast, but just tried to get some, <clears throat> immediate reflections. And I think, uh, for a podcast that prides itself on not being able to read or write, but at least talk, uh, we were all at a loss of words. Uh, and I still kind of find myself in that place. Um, I think honestly, I think I've, I'm a little bit divorced from some of the emotion. It's been hard to, to kind of tap into the full vulnerability. I think of what's required to be, um, I just really aware of, of everything that happened. Um, text messages and conversations with you guys and with other friends that, you know, we graduated with coworkers even, um, of mine who are alumni, uh, has been, you know, profound at helping to just live in the memory of the, um, of what it means, I guess my Spartan identity, what it means to be a Michigan state, um, alumnus. And that's where I've located, I think, a lot of my grief, honestly, in this is this idea that somehow, because I think objectively, it's not true that um, any student has the same experience. We have colleagues and friends who graduated from Michigan State who didn't have the same experiences as we did, mm -hmm. who don't have the same kind of affinity. So it's it's hard not to create a unifying experience and say, oh, because my experience was so profound, everyone else's is too, but um but having had the experiences I did, at least at Michigan State, it's so painful to think that those experiences are being robbed of young people right now who had yeah. years left of memories to make. And, um, well, and I mean, it's not to say they can't make those memories, right? It's just going to be so informed by this sickening tragedy. Plum, I, I do appreciate that. 
we did make <clears throat> one decision before going on air, and it's that there is now one true unifying thing. Um, we were given permission to change up the music on this episode. So let's, let's roll the tape and we'll talk to you guys on the other side. say you know there are next to zero net positives and by next to i mean truly zero net positives about what happened however my ability to be moved by that song has been forever altered wow Um, you heard it here folks yeah, yeah. Way to make the silver lining about me. Uh, the- I was, I was like, am I allowed to point out that he's making this about himself already? Where, where well, are you know, we? It's, are we it's, there yet? You know, we, we can always make fun of me. I, I will say, you know, I found myself when I woke up the next day, not knowing what to do. Yeah, and the only thing I could do is go put out my Spartan flag. It was the only thing I could do. Like, and, and I, I, uh, you know, I, I've spent a, a lot of time thinking about, you know, why did, uh, uh, why does this hurt so much? Yeah. And, and I say that having, you know, uh, have a, a cousin who's no longer capable of working because of PTSD from a mass shooting he was involved in. I say that, um, you know, um, my wife is about ready to go under workers comp surgery because a gun was pulled in her workplace and everyone fled for safety. Um, and, and I, and I say that all because this one really hurts in a extremely different way. And I, and I think for me, I'll say that Plum, you, you, you were, you hit it on the head about the sort of, there isn't a monolithic kind of experience, right. To, to what MSU yep. is, but I do think that Michigan state uh, is at its core, a, a place where uh, folks find themselves. Um, yep. And, and so whatever that experience is for you. Um, and so there, there's part of what hurts about this is is empathetic in that you know that there's thousands of kids that that's lost for yeah that that won't have the same experience or the opportunity for the same experience that we had um but i also 
I also think I have this belief about uh, Michigan State, and I assume it probably is true for other schools as well, that that campuses are shared spaces, not only in the, the capacity of, of the people who live there, but yeah. that you never truly own it, and yet you always own it. That I can come back to Michigan State, and it is still the place that I can be most free. It is still a home. And yeah. and so that that lack of, of safety and, and that the, the part, the, the empathy that I extend for the students that are there, it also, I feel that too, that like the mm-hmm. place that I, I feel like I can come back to that we do go back to. And, and like, and I, I have this desire to like in a Peter Pan esque sort of desperation to save that youthful spirit. Like all I want to do is go back and give those kids a fucking hug to just okay. let them like to, to let them feel safe. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I don't know that, that just, um, for me anyway, I, I think, um, you know, I, I could pile on about, there's a whole host of other things that are, are, are traumatic, but like sort of at a philosophical level, what I think is so devastating about the sport. Yeah, I I think a lot of really great pieces have already been written on this and Graham captured on this, uh, Graham Couch uh, captured on this really well at the beginning of his, that like MSU represents something to so many. Um, For the people in mid-Michigan, it's a place where you go to have fun on Saturdays, you go to see sports games, maybe you work there, maybe you know people that that go there. As a student, you know, it's, it's that area where I... Yeah, I think we're all past the level of naivete where it's like everything is innocent on campus, but like it, there's it, an innocent. That was poor word choice on my part. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's still like it's where you get to. You're still you're an adult, but you're still like like you said, finding yourself. Or mm-hmm. as an alum, like I was tremendously fortunate. Uh, my wife and I were able to live anywhere we want really uh and when we decided to live in the state of michigan there was a list of like where is it going to be and it didn't take long to figure out that this was the place that we were going to move back to um so it it um i think the the event itself is traumatic uh i think the manhunt and how that happened across the all the students affects all the students affects the community very traumatic. And I think if you listen to this podcast, we're in kind of a unique position where if you choose to spend, as it gets pointed out to us every once in a while, an hour and 45 minutes to two hours a week to have three jabronis talking to a microphone about (laughs) Michigan state, it's because it, that place means something to you. Yeah. You know, whether you went there or whether you grew up rooting for it or whether you, you know, one way or another, the place means something to you. And we have an entire audience of people for whom that, that applies. And I have to say that I really appreciate the people that reached out, uh, on Monday night on, uh, in the Twitter DMS or wherever, um, to make sure that, uh, we were safe. And I, I do appreciate that a great deal. And we wanted to, you know, make sure that we touched on this. Yeah, I I wanted to talk about the media part of this. I mean, the image, Greg, of of you is actually emblazoned, and we joke about this, but your camera 
you know, we do this on Zoom looking at each other. Your camera follows you as you know around your room. And so I'll never forget the image of you going to your window and the camera followed you there and you looked outside and you had the blinds pulled and you stood there for a few beats and I kind of made a joke, you know, which you couldn't hear because you didn't have your headphones. And you came back and your face was just a completely different expression. And it was this very real, um, you were like, guys, like I just counted like 15 cop cars with lights and sirens on. And it was this very surreal moment where like the pit of your stomach drops out. And I mean, what was the first thing we all did was we went to Twitter. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I'm not trying to be philosophical. I, Twitter is at once a place that has, no one had that information before Twitter did, right? Twitter had that information, unless you were already listening to a police scanner. Twitter knew before anyone else. Bless your heart if you can do that, by the way. God help us. Also, maybe do you, like, what, there's resources available for you? I don't know. So Stay on in the podcast. Yeah. Listen, you're talking about resources, and I think they might be of use to you. Yeah. So... (laughs) I just, but you know, at the same, by the same token, because you are crowdsourcing information, there is a real downside to that, which is you're not getting accurate information. We know now that the assailant was long gone. By the time what we were listening to in terms of reports, Brody Complex, Emmons, down at the chemistry building, Owen Hall, I am East, um, uh, Acres, all of these reports were not based in the reality that the assailant was there. Sure. They were based in the reality of trauma. Yeah. Which is to say door slams, window slams, anything, anything slams. And then someone shouts because it scares them. That's a gunshot. That's someone. That's, I think, the hardest part for me because then that we create that echo chamber. And it was, for me, it was painful, viscerally painful, and in fact, angering to listen to the dispatchers calling in attention. 911 caller advises shots fired, people screaming at location. And immediately, an officer responding, we're there, negative shots. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't hold on to that anger. I mean, it's just, it's what you're, you're like, find the motherfucker, find the motherfucker, kill him. Where, what, stop calling if this isn't. And yet it's that, it's that helplessness and it's the fear and it's the trauma and it's, we turn to the resources that can help us. Um, and then they don't always help us. It was a learning experience for me. I knew these, I think we don't really want to get too deep into the logistics of the of the evening, but I knew that these situations were chaotic. But until yeah. you, I experienced it in this way, because I have an idiot monkey brain just like every other human being on the planet, I, I never fully understood exactly no. how chaotic they can be. And I, you know, when you are listening to this, uh, police dispatch and you know the campus yeah and you hear 
you know, something's happening at IM East and then you hear there's a report at Emmons Hall, you know that these things are mutually exclusive and they're yep. impossible. Yep. And you're getting texts from family members like, don't go to Emmons Hall. It's like, okay, well, we're locked down as we said. Yeah, we're not going in there anyway, though, by the by. And but it's like people just want to help. People just want to be safe. And there were probably a few bad bad actors on Monday night. But I think overwhelmingly it was people acting in good faith, trying to do their best. And the ton of adrenaline rushing. That's These it. situations are just inherently chaotic, which is why yeah. I do want to make sure that we have given institutions a hard time on this podcast once or twice. Yeah, But I think as details of this are starting to emerge, it's obvious to me, I can speak only for myself on this, that law enforcement acted swiftly, that yep. they saved lives, yep. and that, you know, that the response from law enforcement across the state, FBI, et cetera, was really, really strong. Even yeah. if they were kind of chasing tails across campus when it's not their fault. Yeah. 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 You, you work with these literally their job. Yeah. That's right. That you have, well, they run, they ran. I mean, it was true. Can I just echo the point and make two points to it? The first is they ran into harm's way continually and consistently. They went where they thought there was an opportunity to apprehend this person, despite the fact knowing that what had happened. That's mm-hmm. uh, counterintuitive. It goes against every fiber of our human instinct to survive. So, and we've seen, by the by, it and that that in not in all situations do police respond case. that way. A hundred percent. A hundred. Thank you. Like thank you. For sure. Yes. Yep. That's is a and really as one, good point. Juan. And as one who has been incredibly virulent in my opprobrium directed at law enforcement, generally speaking, uh, there's no one else that I would have wanted to have seen if I had been in any one of those spaces on Monday night. Um, The second thing I just want to say is there was one voice, one consistent clarion voice that reverberated to anyone who was listening to that police scanner on Monday night. And that was the dispatcher for uh, the operations, 911 operations center, who has probably practiced her entire career for that moment and did not miss a beat, did not uh, stutter, <laughs> missed no single important piece of information. And what a profound thing to realize that in the state of Michigan, at least, 911 dispatchers like her are not classified as first responders. And um, I hope that that is remediated um about as fast as anything can be it's an easy win democratic state house yep because there's access to resources that come with that there's scholarships there is there's all kinds of stuff and uh that information does not go through the 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 quick i mean it's there's a training to it the the precise language the clipped phrasing the ability to retain and recall information the simultaneous listening, processing, interpreting, speaking, recording, so that you can reference later. And all in uh, with an adrenaline state, knowing what's happened in an emergency, like that you... The stakes are so high. The, the stakes, stakes are, are so they, high. They, they, they can't be higher. They can't be higher. They are the highest stakes. Uh, to be flawless is... Uh, it's a symphony. It's an orchestra. It's a game seven of the of the series. It's, it's, that's it. That's it. 
There's nothing more important. I I want to just echo everything you said. When we're ready to make jokes, and someday we will be ready to make jokes, I do think we I need think to hand out some Razzie awards for some of the officers who were on the scanner, though, because <laughs> there are some... I'm not calling out Bearcat specifically, but Bearcat... <laughs> You and your band of operators. <laughs> Not Bearcat. Uh, this may be but, our spiciest all-time joke. <laughs> but <laughs> Bearcat. No, I, mm. I, I, I say that only because I couldn't agree more with both of you about, uh, yeah. Greg, your point, lives literally saved. I mean, when, when the autopsy is done on this, I am sure as frustrated as some folks might be by the notion that this person should have been caught earlier for some reason, that law enforcement almost certainly flushed this person out of both of those buildings and into a retreating position. So, you know, lives literally saved. Um, And that doesn't, that doesn't make any of this good or happy, right? Because lives were still lost, which at some point in time, uh, we will also talk about, how can you not make sure this doesn't happen? You know, Greg, you you pointed out in the moment that evening, there's going to be the onion tweet tomorrow, um, and there was, yep. um, and there was, and 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 I don't know, I, I like, I, I'll say that I, I weirdly as maybe the person who's fully most anti like anti gun on this podcast, like just get rid of them all, all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I weirdly in the moment though, that evening was not prepared, didn't really want to have the gun control conversation. And I, and, and I'm, I'm like, I, I was heartened that the students showed up at the Capitol the next day. Um, but I'm, I'm, I, I will say I'm weirdly not ready to talk policy. And maybe it's because my policy stance is so universal that I don't need to you know, talk about like <clears throat> lobbying for it or anything like that. I just, sure. uh, I, I, I'm just still, I'm still just too sad. Like, yeah. and, and, yep. and I, for those who are ready to advocate for more gun control, by the way, I agree with you. Like, I just, I'm not ready to talk about it. Yeah. Which is, I think completely fine. Can we, can we say something about that though? The sort of not ready to moment. Um, because the state news had an editorial today that was, I thought, appropriate and prescient um, mm-hmm. with respect to giving voice to I, – I, here's how I interpreted it. So this is my interpretive framing. These events happen and they're part of the news cycle and then they're not part of the news cycle. And sort of as the news cycle ebbs and flows, so too does the expectation that we return to normalcy. Uh, that we go back to class, that we go back to school, that we go back to work, that we go back to our dorm, that we go back to the cafeteria, that we go back to all of the routines that we, and look at, we're happy, we're healthy, we're, we're doing the thing we're supposed to do. All of this is good. See, see, we're okay. We're surviving. Stiff upper lip. And and I really, can we just tag on? Because it's it's going to come up and we return to competition. And we return to competition. Let's say it. And and that this somehow makes us better. And see, we've survived. And, I, you know, I appreciated Coach Izzo at the event last night 
saying, you know, we will get through this. And he's right, we will get through this, but there is no definitive timeline. And every individual is going to have a different experience that has to be honored. Every student, every staff member, every alumni is going to have an experience that is different. And I just really appreciated the editorial, which, you know, you could look at face value and simply say they're not ready to go back Monday. Fine. But then don't, the the next question shouldn't be, okay, well then when? That's the wrong question. The question is, what is the, what is the system or what are the systems that have to exist to enable students, staff, alumni, others in the East Lansing community? They've been affected by this too. How, what are the systems that need to exist such that healing can occur in the time and in the place that that's best suited to and that's our structures and our systems aren't designed to answer that question no that's that's sort of a uh, that's sort of a millennial zoomer approach to this problem um speaking of which putting a tease in we're going to be joined um by a counselor uh in just a little bit here talk about some of those resources that can be available um and about exercises that uh that you can do but um so hold on for that but um I, I pl- just because I don't I don't think we're going to maybe come up with it again. I just I I I really enjoyed Izzo's talk yeah. a lot. I I uh you know, we I think we had Greg I think I was talking to you and and had sort of joked that like I both really wanted to hear from Izzo and was mildly afraid to hear from Izzo. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> That's right. And and I you know you could tell times when he took a little uh, divergence from his script, but yeah, from the speech. The, but the the man, he he nailed it. And yeah. the yeah. the one, my one, he he talked. The thing that didn't get enough credit, and I think got snipped the wrong way because he got Izzo and said gun violence right now is insane, and so people just type that which sort of trivializes what his right, point was else. because then he went mm-hmm. on right. to talk about the platform that you have and so yep. i i swear to god that if there was a capacity for me to love tom Izzo more than i already do it would be that if he actually uses his platform to do something about gun violence yep. and and i'm not i'm not holding my breath on it i'm not but he mentioned some people have big and pe- some people have small. And Tom, you have a big fucking platform. You've got you've got the biggest one. Uh, you and, were up there with the governor and the yeah. chair of the yeah. board of trustees. We're not. We're well, not, let's be clear. Uh, the governor defers to Tom Izzo. I mean, let's just be 100% explicit about this. If Gretchen Whitmer, like if there's anyone that Gretchen Whitmer fangirls out about in this world, guys. It's Tom Uh, Izzo. It's Tom Izzo. There's not, it's literally, stop it. That's not even a question. So, no, Um, there's obvious. The, I also related to the vigil. I mean, I I don't know if you, if you all want to talk a little bit about moving forward, but I, I was more than Tom Izzo's speech heartened by the number of folks who turned out. Um, I, there's a couple people who who said things 
I had talked about uh, how the thing about Michigan State and about Spartans is that no matter no matter what you say about us, we will not let you define us. Yeah, that it's it's uh, we're an ornery bunch, and uh, and and even in compliments, maybe would be like, I'll fight you about that. You could say you're a nice person. I'll fight you. Um, what's that supposed to mean that the i i think the universal truth about spartans is and and tim alberta talked about this in his Mm. piece in the atlantic that that the he said it better than i did for sure that the motto spartans will is a is a defiant one and i just the the state news editorial the people showing up, the, you know, I am not alone. I'm sure you guys feel the same way as a, as alumni who want to somehow recreate the majesty, even if it's, if it's irreversibly gone, but like that insistence on getting through it. Uh, And then I want to shout out something I read John Kirby tweeted, but that as a Spartan, you will never walk alone. Mm. That, you can go anywhere in the world and you can shout go green and a Spartan will shout go white back at you. And, and I just, I feel like we saw a lot of that at the vigil, mm-hmm. this, this, this defiance of, of fear, this insistence on creating a safe space for Spartans again, even if we make mistakes along the way. Um, and this insistence on camaraderie that I just, uh, it, it it is the only thing that gives me faith right now. Um, Carl Liedholm, professor of economics. I don't know if you guys ever had him. He taught a course I, in international economics. Yes, I'm aware you, of Professor Liedholm. I don't think yeah. I had him. But oh, but you I, knew him. I missed him and and uh, Ballard. But oh, uh, I never aware. had. I never had right, Ballard. We talk but, about who is the guy we had that was the husband of the. It's not Merchant's husband, is it? No, that no, was... No, it was Palumbo's uh, husband. That's right. Yeah, who yeah. Who was just an idiot. Anyway, sorry. I remember that in real time. I remember that in real time, Michael. When he um, was talking about how they're going to Duke, when yeah, he hadn't even accepted the job. Hadn't accepted the job, yeah, 100%. Yes, I remember. And real time, I remember that conversation because you learned it in class. Um, anyway, Carl Liedholm, when he would... He taught international economics, and I took this class with my friend Kristen Solewski. And for some reason, he loved us, and I don't know why, but he always, like, he put our I names would... into the midterm and the final exam. Like, if Alex You don't know why Zambia... a professor loved you and okay, Kristen? Well, oh, at come any on. rate, did, anyway, that's not the you, point. Did you were in the honors college? <laughs> <laughs> clearly, um, uh, though, clearly, I will say, Lead Home wasn't on the dais uh, for your... No, was, he was not. What was your... What was that that you were uh, the the MacArthur Foundation Prize or whatever you were trying to get? What was it? No, yeah, the Phi Beta Ca- or that? No, no, not that. The uh, the uh, yeah, what was that? The uh, uh, was it uh, Rhodes or whatever? The Rhodes no, and the, the Truman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So he wasn't there. He wasn't, he wasn't there. Or he wasn't there. Or I, or I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be in in Oxford, bloody <laughs> London. At any rate, Carl Liedholm and his first lecture of every class that he taught, he would give a PowerPoint presentation of himself in all of these places hoisting. Yeah. the Michigan state flag. And he would say the sun never sets on the Michigan state empire. And I 
I just love that. You know, he was at base camp in Nepal. He was on Machu Picchu. He was uh, the bridge over the river Kwai. You know, he was at the Great Wall of China. He was fucking everywhere with that fucking flag. And uh, I think that speaks to the same, the same well, zeal. I, I, the, the one other thing that is, is interesting to me is, and ties in is the, the reach of Spartan nation. We saw yeah. Duke play uh, the fight song and shadows. And it's because it's a former, former Spartan who's the Carolina. Um, the, the, the one other thing that I'll just say about my experience in, in these gestures of solidarity, I guess that we've seen, mm-hmm. I, in other shootings that are not, MSU, I have always been mildly angry at these like moments of silence that they seemed mm-hmm. equivalent to thoughts and prayers. Yeah, um, performative. They seemed hollow. And I yep. will just say that seeing Virginia light its campus up in green, seeing Rutgers yep. have a moment of silence, uh, seeing Duke play the fight song, it didn't make me feel better. I'm, I'm still crying sure. most days but i felt seen yep and i appreciated that so uh anyway i'm, I'm i think i've got all my points so i'm done crying now so no so, i well, think you should keep crying yeah we'll see about that <laughs> yeah we'll see uh should we invite in our guests gentlemen i think so okay uh we are genuinely happy to have back on the podcast uh, that's Samantha back Zell. yeah back. so uh, we're we're dubbing me. her for the lulls our tragedy correspondent but samantha is uh it was for the real like old heads of the pod uh was early <laughs> on um after the tragic passing of smoothie uh cassius winston's brother to uh to talk about mental health uh sam can you give folks a little bit of your background and why um, maybe you're a better resource for talking about grief and trauma than us dum-dums? Mm. I think you guys do a pretty good job. You do all right. You're already Um, on the podcast. You don't have to butter us up. This is true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But thanks for having me back on slash. I'm sorry that I'm back on. That's right. Um, Apologize but for your I, uh, I am a school counselor and have a master's in counseling. From where, Samantha? From Indiana University. Down. Forkstown. But Forks a Spartan through and through. Whoa. A Spartan first and foremost. A fork second. Um <laughs> Zil, uh, I, I think I, I want to get to eventually some some conversation about um, resources for folks and stuff. But can can we start with, I guess, it, we just got done recording and I think we all three are experiencing what this feels like uh, differently. I sob into my Cheerios midday, uh, plum is wrapping himself in a blanket that is not weighted, but he keeps asking if there's one in the room. 
and and Kevin uh, is scheduling dental appointments um, to try and make himself feel clean. Uh, so I've had four like, this week. <laughs> the, the punch card's almost full. Uh, uh, so I mean, it, what like? Why is it that we're all sort of not loving the situation we're in, but kind of reacting in very different ways? Um, great question. I, I mean, this, these things keep happening. I think that's what kind of keeps coming up for people of like a shooting like this isn't new, but what's new is how close to home it hits and just the reality of it. And I think that seems to be what's really sinking in for people is just how real this makes it. In addition to about like a million other emotions that come up, which I think is why I think a lot of us are kind of experiencing, like you said, that just kind of wave of emotions where you're like, okay, and then something will hit and you are crying into your Cheerios. But there's just a lot of emotion going on that is tied into it for everybody and in a lot of different ways is like is there a normal process to grief or trauma people Uh, talk about the stages but i don't feel like i'm hitting any of them (laughs) there are the stages but yeah typically hitting the stages is super messy where like you might hit one stage and then you bounce back to another and it is just kind of it's more like a ping pong ball rather than a linear process it sort of outlines the various things that will happen to you over the course of grief more than a roadmap of how that will happen yeah well will and can because you might not hit all of them hmm. i guess that that provides me with a little bit of comfort um, mm-hmm. as I bounce through emotions, but I, I assume that a great number of our listeners are alumni and, uh, many of which don't live in the East Lansing area, which I think is experiencing the trauma in a more acute and, and physically discernible way. But I look at, I'll just say for me, the coastal elite here, I'm not near East Lansing. <laughs> I work for an international software company that as empathetic as they are, many of them, you know, this was just something that popped up on their CNN newsfeed and don't necessarily know that what I'm living through. And so while I could get as much grace as they would give me and they would, but like, I, I have to keep doing a job and I, I'm sure there are plenty of alumni who are experiencing that, that same tension of not wanting to, not wanting to move on, right? Like, frankly, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to not be sad. I don't want to not be angry, and I don't want to not be confused. I should be, but I have to keep doing my job. And so, how do you keep sort of doing that? If we're talking about a ping pong ball, like, how do I keep doing two steps forward, one step back? Like, how do I keep moving through the process of grief, or other people too, not just me? Well, I think one thing, kind of like you said, is that you have to allow yourself to, and there's a sense of guilt, I think, that kind of comes with that for people of this feeling of, like, you should be reflecting on it. Um, You kind of have to give yourself space to um, 
recover in different ways. And I think that looks a lot of different ways for different people. Um, giving yourself space to, or at least some kind of outlet to process those emotions is super important. Um, which I think is also important to mention probably should happen. Sometimes social media can be a good outlet for it, but I think everyone needs to at least at some point take a pause on Twitter or on social media because that can have a negative effect. It can be beneficial in some ways, but as you're just scrolling um, and kind of getting inundated with everything, it ends up becoming not therapeutic and just bad for you. Um, you open the phone app up and call somebody? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying call somebody, connect with someone, especially like for alumni. If you're still in touch with other alumni, that can be really healing of just talking to them, having a Zoom call with friends from college. And it doesn't have to be like you all talk about what's been going on this week. It can be that you talk about absolutely anything your memories. else. Yeah, or even just like yeah. your memories, right? Yeah, that too. Is there a, when there's like no wrong way to grieve, one of the things that I've been struck by is just my own, uh, I kind of said this earlier, my own emotional clog. I don't know if that's the right word. I'm just, I'm like, I know that there's something there latent and I'm a crier. So I'm like, why have I not cried yet? Like what's going on? I, what is the advice for that? Is like, I guess there's a way to honor and everyone has a different grief experience, but like, is there a way to shake those clogs loose? Is that a thing? Do you just sit in it? I don't know even know how to handle that. The Joey Chestnut. The Joey Chestnut. Of tears. <laughs> for trauma. <laughs> uh, that, I think, can be really frustrating for people, especially if that's a way that you feel some sense of relief is through crying. And if that's mm. not coming, that can be super frustrating. Uh, but just letting yourself be okay with mm. where you're at is super important, which is way easier to say than it is to do. Sure. Yeah. But um, maybe the finding permission. something, yeah, and maybe finding something else to, if you feel like those emotions are building up and they're not coming out through tears or whatever way it is that they normally present themselves, um, doing something like exercising or mm. um, just doing something different that like gets that energy out in a different way. I think it's also important though, that like if part of it too is just that that's not like what you're experiencing and maybe it's a different emotion that is more present. Like maybe there's anger or maybe there's a sense of guilt or something like that. And it's not sadness. That's okay too. That might be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's actually really helpful. Yep. There's, for our listenership, Sam, as you know, as a every week listener, this is this has been a very traumatic event, but it's sort of piling on top of other trauma as well. COVID overall, for the listeners of this podcast, the Larry yeah. Nasser scandal and everything attached to that. What if, what for those of us, there might be some out there um, that are ready to maybe take the first step, maybe this is the the straw that breaks the camel's back and they're they're ready to take a more formal step. How does one get started 
with some kind of formal counseling D- mm. like what what resources would you recommend how when you talk to your students how do you breach that subject especially for a very midwestern barrier feeling stiff upper lip uh group like we have uh here uh so there's different options and unfortunately it can be a little difficult like i people are having a hard time finding therapists right now just since covid because it's so in demand um but my go-to that i like to refer people to is the psychology today website mm. um cuz it m- most like all therapists are registered there and it lets you put in your geographical area and then it lets you filter by like a million different options so you can put in your insurance carrier you can put in um what type of counseling you're looking for you can put in what type of therapist you're into like what gender of the therapist there's a million different options but it really lets it takes something that feels really big and you're like i don't know how to get started and it narrows it so that it feels a little more manageable and they also sometimes have um if they are accepting new clients or not which is important right now I'll just uh, plug into that post-COVID, a number of states have changed their laws to allow therapists licensed in one state to practice across state borders. Um, I say that only because I've seen a therapist before that I think is pretty good. Um, So if anyone wants to DM us because they're looking for a therapist, you may or may not have uh, availability, but I'm happy to provide a referral uh, but Zill has pointed to a much better resource. But if you're looking for like a, a someone has worked with this person before, I'm happy to uh, connect and, and they may be able to practice in your space too. So, uh, but therapy is, uh, I, I once had a, uh, I'll just say from personal experience as someone who's been to therapy, Zill is a practitioner in this space, but I had a, I was going through a, a particularly dark and not great time. And I had a, a professor who gave me a, a card with a quote that just said, begin anywhere. And I think sometimes in dark times, that is when you don't know what to do, that is the right answer, generally speaking, just start something. But when it comes to therapy, like, just start. If you think you want to see a counselor, just start. I'll I'll just say as my lived experience, like, just go see someone. And you may not like them. You can change therapists. (laughs) They're fireable. Uh, but, But it is better to start than be worried about perfection. Um, yeah, just to tag on. No, that's really good advice. Cause I think to, especially if for people that maybe have never done therapy before, that can be the hardest hurdle. And it can kind of be like a very emotional thing to just be like, I'm making this attempt to connect with a therapist. Um, but I think just knowing that like other people are going through this too and, have also conquered this hurdle. I think that that's really helpful for people to hear. Greg's been to four different dental hygienists this week looking for the right one. You can, you can see. The best part about seeing a dental hygienist is they just talk to you and their hands are in your mouth. So you literally can't respond. So it doesn't feel like therapy, even though it is. Um, I talked, I brought up Samantha, you're, you're a member of this community. 
uh, in many different ways, not least of which that we live in the same house. Acknowledge oh. that it's out there now. Wow. Um, everyone listening to this podcast has been been through it. Um, you live here. How are you doing? You guys didn't prepare me for this question. This is. <laughs> it wasn't on the outline. You were focusing on all of you. Thank you. Um, are we here? I'll give you an out. What about what about people in your line of work? You get asked immediately to help other people with their problems, and it feels are, a re- like a real giver point. situation. Yeah, the, the giver. Like, does it, the giver have a giver? That's one of the banned books, I, I think now. So I, I actually don't get that reference. But <laughs> you delete. What it. about? Yeah, it's gone from my mind. Uh, but what about what about? folks like yourselves that are expected to help in these situations how how is that going um yeah i mean it's been hard it's been a hard week uh i i thought of the giver actually the other day as i was thinking about my upcoming therapy appointment and was like how much do i talk about what i've been experiencing because i'm assuming my therapist is just being inundated with this and thought of it in a uh, the giver type sense But my experience has, I think I was a little surprised. Um, Is at school the last couple days? Like we've, because we're in the area, the students at school um, are affected, obviously, because the whole community is affected. So um, I've really just been seeing kids to talk about this and to see how they're doing. And it's surprisingly been helpful a little bit um just to help people process through things um and I mean we didn't have school on Tuesday and I think Tuesday was harder in the sense that because I really wasn't doing anything and once I got to school on Wednesday and I was able to start helping I found that I started feeling better um I mean it's been hard and it's been emotional but I think that's something too that I would want people to look at because in this kind of situation, I think what people really struggle with and what brings a lot of anxiety and fear is that it's just, this is a situation where like there is no control and control has been taken away. And that's why I think it's important to find different areas that you can get some sense of control. And so if that is like, helping the community in some way that can help you to feel a little bit better if it's and this might be a little bit of like an eye roll but if it's if you're really sitting with something where you're like this might not have happened if there were gun control laws if there were these things happening in society contacting your legislators which again i know can be an eye roll because it can be really frustrating but in Michigan, at least, we have a full, I don't know how political I'm allowed to get, but you guys seem to be political lately, but. We've never done. There's, there we is a. before the podcast, we were going to talk about it, but now you brought it up. Well, here you go. Um, there is a change in legislation, I'll say, in Michigan. And so I hope that maybe for people that have maybe been really frustrated with this, that can give some sense of optimism, but getting involved in some way 
and finding whatever you need to feel that you have some sense of control, I think is really, really important in the healing process. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, I'm going to reflect on that in that I think part of it to your point, Zill, and kind of tagging back on sort of the isolation I was feeling in, in work and whatnot is, and you know, I'm the only Spartan in my house, right? Like, um, that it, it feels isolating and, and I, all I want to do is help the community. Right. Um, and so finding ways to do that, um, is a good path forward. Um, are there any community resources available for folks, um, who, or whether that's volunteer opportunities or anyone who in the area who, who may be experiencing trauma that they can, they can potentially free resources that they can work with? Um, yeah. So in the, if you're in the East Lansing area right now, there's a ton of stuff. And if you go on the CAPS website, um, which I'm guessing you guys can, CAPS is the, oh, what does it stand for? It's the counseling. Counseling and psychological services. That's it. I think it's MSU.edu. That sounds right. That yeah. sounds like a legit website. These resources are available on the Instagram page if anyone wants to make their way on over they, there. They are. On the Instagram page. They Wait, Instagram.com backslash Spartan underscore pod. Spartan underscore pod. <laughs> Except Ali, who has taken over the Instagram from a <laughs> Praise very God. lacking social media manager. Um, uh, but yes, they are available there. And I think we should make them available on, on Twitter as well. So. We'll kind of cross cross reference. They've been retweeted. They are okay. Um, but they have a bunch of different stuff, like and both in person and virtual. So if you are an MSU student or faculty or staff member, um, most if not all of these resources are free, and they have all different kinds. So if you're like, I'm not looking to go talk about this but i want to have some kind of like therapeutic experience they have like listening sessions they have these drop-in sessions they have a bunch of different group stuff going on which typically in group sessions you don't have to necessarily talk Mm, um mm. and so for some people that can be really helpful just the experience of hearing others articulating something that you might be experiencing sort of that Exactly. Like, what were you saying, Rick? Like this, right now, what we're doing. Uh, <laughs> look at us. We're heroes. Um, yeah. There's one. I think there's one final thing, and I, I, I think this is our last subject for the podcast. And Sam, I, I'd be interested to keep you around for this. There's been a decision made that athletics is coming back this weekend. The hockey team traveled to Wisconsin. The basketball team, it seems, will have its game against Michigan on Saturday, which we're not going to preview. Uh, we already played that team, but there are they've already announced that they're going to acknowledge. You mean to say beat that team? Correct. Already beat yeah. that team. Uh, so the sports podcasting does still come out in the end. Uh, what do we think about that? About the state news editorial board made it clear that speaking for themselves but in reflection of the student body they're not ready to go back to school on monday which 
again, as we talked about earlier, completely valid. Um, but the athletes are going to be appearing on television. They're going to be going to, they're traveling away from campus. Uh, what do we think about that? Those two different experiences. Um, I think I kind of agree with what it looked like Izzo said that I think he talked about it as an important way of healing. Um, and I agree, especially since it's, I haven't read that much about it, but it sounds like the athletes kind of had a voice in saying that they wanted to get back to competing. Um, and I think as long as there's the opportunity for any student athlete who is like, I'm not ready, I can't do this, that that is respected. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're ready to go and they feel like it's going to be helpful for them, I think that that is helpful for the school. It's helpful for the community. Um, I mean, I'm on a much lower level for like I am a swim coach and we've had swim practice the last couple of days and that has been very helpful for me um as a just personal way of my healing um mm. to just kind of get back to normal stuff and for it to have I think there's just a sense of community in sports in general so I'm so that I I've been struggling with this because I I want nothing more than to see Michigan State athletics champion our school. I I, I do. I I'm I'm looking forward to us getting together again on Sunday and and maybe doing another wellness check with each other, but mm. also mm-hmm. talking about some sports, talking about how we're mm-hmm. feeling, but also. The 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 only not the only one of the things that makes it so devastating, what happened is because we have this bond together, mm-hmm. this this shared love. If we didn't have this shared love, it it would not be nearly as intense as it is. But I also am I'm worried, bothered maybe that we shouldn't heal. Like it, 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 I, I, you know, the part of me that starts to get angry and there, and again, I'm, we've kind of avoided gun control and I said, I'm not ready to talk about it. The piece that makes me angry though, is the notion that we're going to go out there and play some sports ball after a moment of silence and, and be better again. And, and we, we shouldn't be like, we shouldn't be better. Mm Mm-hmm. Like that, that make, that makes me angry that like, we're just going to go do that. And, and it, and it fits in with a lot of sort of, uh, classic narratives about heroism and, and, you know, it like everything you've ever read and or watched in life is tying you to this notion of, and you hope that Michigan state wins because then the good guys won to overcome adversity, not only on the court, but you know, like blah, 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 blah. But like, that doesn't change that a person who shouldn't have had a firearm did have a firearm and then killed people. It it doesn't change the fact that there should have been a red flag. It doesn't yeah. change the fact that, that, that as much obsession as there is among gun rights folks that like, that it wasn't a long gun 
that a, a pistol is still intended to kill other human beings. Yeah, like and, and that. yeah, and and so I I'm I'm I, I'm just torn. And like I'm not Zill, I'm not looking for you to give me an answer because I don't think there is one. I think both are right. Like I want that healing. I like I crave that healing. I'm so looking forward to talking again on Sunday. Like more than anyone could ever imagine, I'm looking forward to interacting with yeah. our community and talking to my friends and watching Michigan State. But I'm also furious. Yep. And I, I don't like I don't know how to make heads or tails of that. Like, because I, I think the part of me that wants to heal is wrong. Mm. I think I should be miserable. I think we should all I, be miserable. I think that's a really easy, like, I think a lot of us find ourselves falling into that. Um, but is it a false dichotomy? I think because if you don't heal, you're not going to be able to to help in any way like you're not going to have capacity to be your best self and help find a solution or help the community in any way um and so that's why i think it is important to find those things that like you just you have to take care of yourself and i it there is that sense of guilt of being like I'm going to help, I'm going to let myself feel okay for a second. But if we don't do that, nothing's going right. to get better. And so I think ideally what I would like to see is us to have both of those things where we are able to heal, but we don't just move on. And I think having both is where I would love to see Michigan State go from here. We talked about Tom Izzo and his big platform. He has an opportunity. Big platform. That's true. And we're, we'll talk about that again on Sunday, I think. Um, Jonesy, I'm going to save you. We got, we got into you getting a counseling session live and on the air. And I've gone down this path with Samantha. It's dangerous. So I'm going to, I'm going to save you. But we will be billing yes. you. Uh, yes, correct. And uh, that was billable time. Definitely going <laughs> to submit that to a payer. Um, you cheap mother! You're just looking to accumulate <laughs> all of that wealth. I'll send you some goddamn soylent. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna send you a, a Venmo uh, bill for that. Um, Fee for service. But uh, guys, I uh, it's been really helpful for me yeah. talking to all of you in this and i we uh we didn't get to record on monday but i'm glad that we found a way that well we we actually did record on monday but i think that one's gonna <laughs> um, yeah that one's not gonna hit the not i uh i've been so appreciative of not just this conversation that we've had but also wider conversations throughout the community um of course our heart breaks for the the three that the three burns that we lost and the five more that are in you know critical or stable conditions barrow at the time of this recording plum jonesy any anything else we we should cover here this evening just want to say thank you samantha for being with us and for offering us a little perspective and a little um reminder that our feelings are valid and 
grief fucking sucks and takes time. I mean, it's been helpful to be heard and seen in that and to have a little additional insight into how that works. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, and I just want to, I know, I feel like this point has been driven home a lot, but I don't think it can be said enough that I just hope that everybody makes sure they take care of themselves and find, find your way to process and make sure that you let yourself know that whatever you're feeling is okay and make sure to connect with other people. Well, on that note, um, a bit of a different end, but a reminder that Spartans will. And with the biggest heart, I say to all of you, go green. Go white. Go white. Go white. <laughs> it felt a little too harmonic. <laughs> <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Priceline. 